Howdy, welcome back to another episode of our weekly podcast. We know you've got a buffet of media to choose from each week. That's why we put a lot of effort into finding stories from the Bible that have relevant lessons for us today. I hope you enjoy. I want to read to you my favorite quote in the whole world. It was by a gentleman by the name of Victor Hugo. And it goes like this. There is nothing so powerful as an idea whose time has come. There is nothing so powerful as an idea whose time has come. I love ideas, especially ones that sound crazy, that are disruptive in their very nature. I love it. Like you, you want to say, what would you like to do tomorrow? What's the most fun thing you could do in the whole world? We'll go anywhere, we'll spend any amount of money. I would tell you, get me in a room with people that like to dream and let's talk about ideas. That's what I love to do. But in a world more and more stream, streamlined and similar and the same and full of status quo, how do you find success when it seems like the best advice out there is just do what everyone else is doing. From what I see and from what I read, the answer is you have to stand out. You have to be contrarian. You have to go against the grain. You have to zig when others zag. Unfortunately, many or most want to shy away from this idea of standing out. Somehow in our culture, it's become kind of anti-American. Just go with the flow, when that was really never our mantra, to go with the flow. The society today tells us, blend in, do what everyone else is doing, saying, drinking, wearing, vaping, watching. Just go with the flow. If you speak out, if you do this thing, if you post that, if you say that, it could cost you your job, your reputation, your career. All those ideas are very contrary to me. Because as I read, there's a book in my library called The Deviant's Advantage. And the message of that book is, here is a rule to follow, not just an idea or suggestion. When others zig, you zag. When everyone is doing that, your natural suspicion in life should start to say, maybe I should do something different, just by its very nature. Uh, in 1955, of the Fortune 500 companies that existed <clears throat> in America, 87% of those do not exist today. In 1955, it was believed that the lifespan of a company or corporation was probably going to be 75 years. You can probably think back to companies that existed and thrived in 1955 that many today have never even heard of. Some of the lists were like Studebaker and other things. They said, who are these companies? Now the life expectancy of a company is 15 years and shrinking. So this idea of being contrarian, being disruptive, a few companies that you've probably heard of live and die by this. So a few years ago, there was this idea. 
you know, rather than owning cars, like buying our own fleet or having all the regulations and complexity of taxis, I've got this idea called Uber. We become the largest transportation company in the world and we don't own any cars. Quite foreign, just with the use of an app. Then another one said, how about we become the largest lodging and destination company in the world, the most far-reaching, but we're not going to own any infrastructure. And Airbnb was born. Or then the third one that said, you know, everyone, they, they go to the movies. Some of them go to the movie store. And at this time, they interviewed Blockbuster's CEO And they said, what do you think about this new company, Netflix, that wants to take it all online? And he said, Netflix isn't even on our radar. No future there. And now Netflix is a household name. So these companies decided to do things totally different than everyone else. At the time, usually when you birth an idea that's totally crazy, or at least that's what it's called, it's hard to fight through the grain of people saying, ah, it's not going to work, but here's some ideas of things that did work. So I want to share an idea with you this morning. Many of you probably have heard of this idea. Some of you may not. You may have friends that have never heard of this idea. And here it is. If you want to get ahead in life, you need to start working less. Want to get ahead in life, you got to start working less. You need a new holiday, not just the few that are recommended on our calendars. You need to set your own holiday every seven days in your life. A real holiday. One day each week where you unplug from this digital matrix of a world we have now and you plug back in to the real world. This idea of less is more is throughout Scripture. All these warriors are headed to battle, and God says, hey, I need less men to fight this battle. We got too many, too many guys. Or an entire civilization preparing for war, and Israel is known as being the most powerful, and they, they're so ostentatious, some would say, that they... They bring musicians and singers to war with them. And God being a God of contrarianism, he says, hey, put the singers and the musicians at the front. And when you get ready and everyone is ready for battle, tell them to start singing. Or another case, get ready for battle, train, prepare, go to battle, and then stand there, and I'm going to send hornets to kill your enemy. These contrary ideas. There's a place where I think some of the best ideas come from, and I want to tell you about that this morning. They come from where your origin and worldview reside. And so one of those is the belief, and this is more and more common, the belief, I believe I come from monkeys. I believe that something random happened in the past. Evolution makes the most sense to me. 
The Cambrian explosion is the foundation of life. And therefore, my motto in life is, and I would say should be, survival of the fittest, fastest, strongest, and particularly the hardest worker in the room. You should be working seven days a week with this worldview. Perspiration is the answer. But then there's another worldview. This other worldview begins with, I think there was nothing. And then all of a sudden, there was a planet flourishing with life with highly complex ecosystems all in a matter of six literal days. And if this is your worldview, this is built on something called inspiration. One is you got to figure it out on your own, perspiration, sweat until you make it. The other says, I can't quite explain it. There was nothing and then there was something. So which is more valuable in the world today? Inspiration an idea out of nothing, or perspiration. Let's just keep working harder and harder and harder. That is what the Blockbuster CEO thought. We need more stores. We need more solutions to these problems. There were people on the other side of the country saying, we need a whole different way to do this. So if a literal six-day creation is your worldview, then there's something you have that others don't. It's this idea of faith that something literally can come from just an idea. But see, on the other side, if your success depends on your hard work, you better get ready for a lot of hard work. All that lies before you is hard work. And it's what you can do. And then there's something that often falls into it. And everything is destiny, fate. I'm predestined for this. Even religious people, Christian people can fall into that trap just the way it was meant to be. And it kind of removes all of our own uh, effort into this idea, our own input and ideas. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look more at this concept. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. It's an easy place to say, you know, I, I just don't have it in me to believe that something can come from nothing, that an idea can turn into a reality. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly, and here's the key phrase, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Every single person on this planet has been given, according to this book, just enough to believe in something coming from nothing. And usually faith is described as something in the future. This reality can take place and I have no way to understand how. That is where God's business resides. He does things with nothing. So the temptation in this world today is, I have to have the education to be something. I have to have the pedigree, the history, the right race, the right skin color. And God says, no, that's not how I work. I can work with literally nothing and turn it into something. So inside 
of all of us, we have this little measure of faith, believing something can come from nothing. Hebrews 11 verse one says, and this faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so with this idea, I wanna talk to you about this radical concept of the Sabbath versus a Sabbath. And I'm not talking just about a day off. I wanna contrast the idea of a holiday versus a holy day. You know, there was a time, I would say it feels like 10, 15 years ago, when stores were closed on Christmas. Sure feels like that to me. Stores were closed on Thanksgiving. A lot of them were closed on Easter. But now it feels like, when does the clock strike 4 p.m.? All the stores are open. Or, could be just, they're open all day. There's no break for those people. I want to celebrate my holiday, but I sure hope there are other people not celebrating this holiday so that I can go and get what I want, how I want it, when I want it. Anybody here ever have to work on a major holiday? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It kind of feels like this isn't fair, right? Or especially in families, sometimes Annette has to work. Uh, Annette, I think you worked Thanksgiving this year. Well, I hope everyone has fun, right? Hope you guys have fun on Christmas while I'm working. There's this little tinge of animosity. But think about it. If you really want to celebrate the holiday, it's hard to do that when you have to work all day. All right, so hopefully everybody can, can grasp that. Now I want to tell you this idea of where this idea of Sabbath comes from. Turn with me in your Bible to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1. We'll go to the first verse. A very controversial composition of words here in a world that in most of our schools and most of our education tells us this can't be true. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Here's what's not being said there. In the beginning, there was nothing. God created something out of nothing. He took nothing and he made it something. And then this, this first chapter of the Bible goes through these days of creation, which are, are described as literal days. The evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the second day. So not, not anything symbolic, that literal days walk through creation Birds and flowers and avocado and Anna Rosa chocolate, all these things were made in these first six days of earth. And then God, who literally can do something with nothing, I just want to keep iterating that so that if you ever think you're nothing, you are perfect material for God to work with. On the seventh day, we go to Genesis chapter two. It says this in verse one. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. He's saying, I was all done. 
and then the, and we read, and it was very good. It describes these days as, oh, it was good. It was good. The day we made whales, that was a good day. Turquoise waters, that was a good day. Blue skies, good day. But here it's all done. And in verse two, it says, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. He's God, he's not tired. There's something deliberate going on here. And this is why it's the very first place it's mentioned in the Bible. And then verse three, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. And that word sanctified is sometimes described as hallowed or made holy, which in our vernacular would be, he created something for a special purpose. So let me give you an example of how I am very bad at respecting things that have been created for a special purpose. Annette and I often say, where are the scissors in this place? And we'll go looking all over our house and usually they're out in a pile of manure where we've been cutting hay or uh, they're down here and they're dirty, nasty, they're in the garden. And Annette will say, didn't we just buy these? How did these get from the kitchen down to the garden? And I'll say, well, I just needed some scissors. Yeah, but these, these had a special purpose to cut paper. Well, they cut dirt really well too. They cut weeds, they cut, or another one, shoes. You have boots. Boots are okay. I'm using another manure one. For stepping in manure. You put your boots outside your house. You walk and you step in things and you come back, you don't walk in your house with those. But me, I'm like, I don't know where my boots are. They're probably three feet that way. I'm just gonna use my tennis shoes and walk out and, oh man, and then walk into the house because these are my tennis shoes. And then that's saying, don't you have shoes with a special purpose? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or the last is, the grossest, um, uh, our breakfast bowls. Hey, can you go get the eggs? Yeah, uh, where's the bowl around here? I'll get a breakfast bowl and all these eggs in there. Oh, where's, uh, I'll use a breakfast bowl to put these things that should not be in here. How do I feed the animals? Oh, I'll get them a breakfast bowl. And then that's saying, where's our bowls? Ah, well, I had to use them. I hope I'm drilling on the point, using something that has a specified purpose for the wrong purpose. You can think of lots of things that have that. The, the last one I could probably think of is knives. Nice, sharp kitchen knives that have the purpose of cutting your vegetables. And I'm cutting things and doing things with these like they're screwdrivers and we wonder why the ends have broken off. So things with a purpose. So this idea of this day where literally God says, I created the whole world, everything you see. And on the seventh day, I set it apart for something special. A specific use. And the purpose of it was, don't forget, I made all this for you. Don't forget the first page of the story. I created something from nothing and I made something special for you to never forget it. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 and verse eight. For some reason, 
of all the principles God teaches throughout history, this one is the one that for some reason his people always forget or choose to forget. And it's the one that is always, hear me clearly, it is always the identifier of who do we persecute. When Lucifer gets in charge of the government, he asks only one question, who keeps Sabbath? And you can go through history and find this ingredient in every single persecution, particularly among religious circles. Who keeps Sabbath? Who does it differently? So here in Exodus 20, they've been in slavery for 400 plus years. And, and God has to remind them, hey, remember, I made some promises, some principles to live by. Uh, things like don't take your neighbor's wife. That's a bad idea that leads to bad places. Don't steal your neighbor's stuff. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Don't get in your backyard and bow down to a tree because you will start to think that I'm not that powerful because your prayers will go unanswered. But then he adds this one. This one he starts with, remember. So they must have known it deep in their souls that I need this in my life. Because for 400 plus years, they did not have the pleasure and the privilege of getting to take a weekly holiday. Because when you set your own holidays, you're a pretty powerful individual. Because usually it's governments that set holidays. This is National Martin Luther King Day. We respect this individual and we're saying these things. You can't so easily say, hey, everyone, this is my holiday. No one will work this day. But literally God is saying, hey, get into your calendar and make a point, this is your holiday. I didn't make this for me. I made this for you. This is your day. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. He doesn't say a Sabbath day. And I think there's a reason for that. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor, do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. He's saying, I made it for you. In it, he reminds them, and I like to think of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt as children. Here's how you live a wonderful life. And he says, on this day, don't do any work. Take the day off. You nor your son, don't make your kids work. And I love how balanced and and full of equality God is because he keeps going. Don't make your daughter work or your servants. He says, your male servant or your female servant. Don't make them work and you take the day off. That would be selfish. Don't enjoy your Thanksgiving while they're having to feed everybody across town. Don't think you can enjoy your Christmas. You get, that's our vernacular. But God is saying, this seventh day Sabbath every week, don't think you can just take off like it's a day off work, but other people are working. Don't do that. And it gets even real detailed. Not even your cattle. Don't make your animals work for you, nor the stranger who is within your gates. Anybody. If you have the ability, don't make anyone work for you on the Sabbath. 
I can think of the largest, most successful health food company in the Southern Hemisphere. The name is Sanitarium Foods. They've gone to a largely automated plant, as many industries are today. They have made the choice to look into this verse and say, don't even make your robots work for you on Sabbath. And they shut it all down on Friday night. And I'm sure there's ways you could justify, well, it's not humans, it's machines. But they literally have made the choice and they're very blessed because of that. He says, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. Almost to say, I know you got a busy week, but trust me, this week one was a busy week. I made a lot of stuff for you. But he rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. There's that reminder again. I set this day apart for something special. Don't forget that. So they'd forgotten about the Sabbath while they were slaves. His people, again, forget about the meaning of the Sabbath. And they're taken slaves to Babylon. And they forgot on the duality of the Sabbath, not just take every seventh day as a day off, as a time with family and friends and for worship and in nature, but they had forgotten the principle of the Sabbath of letting the land rest that if you don't let your land rest and let it replenish with its nutrients, you will go extinct. And God literally says, I've made a promise to save you. The Messiah is coming hundreds of years in the future. Don't go extinct on me. And the way he was gonna make sure of that is, I have to take you out of your land and give it a Sabbath for every year you didn't. So for 70 years, he keeps them in the empire of Babylon. While Israel is getting a rest from its agricultural production. And they forgot about Sabbath again. And they come back after the captivity. And Nehemiah, not long after, is pleading with the king, let me go back. We need to rebuild Jerusalem. And then he realizes, guys, girls, we were captured as slaves for not celebrating this weekly holiday. And then turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 13. Nehemiah chapter 13. He realizes that they're missing it again. I wanna read from this version. It's, it's a little clearer from Nehemiah chapter 13 and verse 15. In those days, this is from Nehemiah. I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in grain and loading it on donkeys together with wine, grapes, figs, and all other kinds of loads. And they were bringing all this into Jerusalem on the Sabbath. Therefore, here's the clarity. I warned them against selling food on that day. I think there's a very simple way to apply this today. Everybody was doing all this type of business and they weren't even letting those people in the food industry have a day off. That's what he's saying. You can't even plan for one holiday a week where everything is closed And see, I've heard the, the 
excuse, well, I mean, that business is going to be open with or without me. Unfortunately, today you can't say the oceans are going to be polluted with or without me, so I'm throwing my plastic in the ocean. No responsibility for me. What, for me, what can one person make a difference? And Nehemiah is saying, hey, give everyone a Sabbath. Don't go out to that restaurant and think, ah, oh, well, they're going to be here anyway. What if they ask you, hey, tell me about your Sabbath. I heard you Adventists every seven days take the whole day off. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Well, man, I wish I could do that, but I can't because you come here wanting me to serve you. It's total chaos in someone's mind. National Geographic in the last few years has really emphasized this idea of blue zones, five areas in the world where people live longer. One of those is in America. Americans that live seven to 10 years longer than the rest of the American population. That place is called Loma Linda, California. And they go in there and there's been lots of discussion. In the beginning, the heavy emphasis was these people eat a lot of whole plant-based foods, a whole lot of nutrients they're taking in. They're not living on processed foods or they're really eating a lot of plants, like full of the minerals and nutrients. And this seven to 10 years longer, then you have more recently though, I've found some interesting articles. Maybe it's these people's weekly holiday. Because every seven days, they literally take a holiday. They're with their family. They're going out in nature. They're eating delicious food. And they just turn it off. Some of the more uh, hardline ones literally leave the phone away. I don't want to be bombarded with email. Give me one day off. And technology takes a break. I find it fascinating. I've been reading about new ventures, talking about disruption of dopamine fasting. Take some time away from your technology. Give us $10,000 and we'll help you do it. And that's usually a weekend retreat. Lock your phone away, get into nature and do something called forest bathing, which is literally come into the woods, sit down and just take it all in. No screens, take it all in. And so National Geographic and others have said, hey, these Adventists seem to do this. They go out in nature, they enjoy these things. And in Proverbs chapter three, I think this is the real ingredient. Proverbs chapter three, especially in verses one and two, describes that as a result of enjoying the Sabbath, longevity will come. Because think about it. If you've taken a weekly holiday off, for 70 years, there's a reason you're going to live seven to 10 years longer. You've had that less wear and tear on your mind and body. But see, most Americans, we don't take the vacation that's given to us. Anybody here who's had vacation days and they're not going to use them all this year? Anyone? Uh-huh. I was just talking with a friend. He said, half my vacation, not going to use it. And that's pretty much the average. Half of vacation days unused. The president of the U.S. Travel Association described it like this. That when I see how many vacation days went unused last year, I don't just see a number of 768 million missed opportunities. 
I see, an the, I see in this, these were opportunities missed to recharge, experience something new, and connect with family and friends. Now, the reason most people say they don't take vacation is I can't afford to. I literally can't afford to take off work and then pay to go somewhere else. So then you have some companies like Netflix and Virgin and others that have gone to the unlimited vacation policy. Who would like that at their work? It sounds very nice. Unlimited vacation. But even in the studies of this, many don't take more vacation days. In fact, they take less. Less than they're allotted. And here's the reason why. In many of these companies, they're primarily millennials. And millennials know, you know, most of my friends don't have a job or are underemployed or want my job. And I just can't think of heading to the beach and turning work off while my coworker sees an opportunity to work harder than me. And they'll take my job. So this temptation of unlimited vacation turns into, I can't turn work off. I'm answering calls at all hours of the week, text messages at all hours of the day, and you can never turn life off. That's the world we live in. It's always on. And anxiety among millennials is skyrocketing. That's why there's these businesses preying on them. What do you think about no technology, and, and you can pay us to help you do that. Yes, anything to escape and unplug. I think scripture is clear that we were designed to unplug. And not randomly, not a few times a year, but literally weekly, unplug. Jesus set the example for this in the on this earth. He was busy, life was good. He was not tired, but he said, hey, I'm creating this day that Mark 2.27 says, this is for you. It says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He didn't just create this day, so I need people to show up in churches and religious synagogues. I need them to do these things for me. That's not what it is. And anyone who's thought it's that has been mistaken. The more holistic way to look at it is you're going to need this in a busy, crazy world. And it's not just a day for you to do a few things that are different, an entire day to unplug. And if you really want to do it according to the way he reminded us to, give those in your life the ability to unplug too. That means if all the stores closed, or if none of the stores closed. I'm not giving them my business today because I want them to see this is a day to rest, to completely unplug. Three things I see strongly from this idea of the Sabbath versus any day. The Sabbath, this seventh day idea that comes from scripture, there's something about if something is set apart for a special purpose, it remains to have that purpose. And in this case, it's the seventh day reminds you, I was created for something special. And I have a hopeful future ahead of me. Not Thursdays. 
Mondays, Sundays, Wednesdays. Because those, someone else told you that was a special day. But Sabbath, God says, hey, I made this for you. So this is a weekly reminder of your origin, destiny, place, and purpose in this world. The second is it's a day to reconnect. I look forward to Sabbath lunch every meal of the week because I know I'm going to eat and be 100% satisfied. And it's going to be with family and friends and we will have cooked it and it will be delicious. I would tell you, it is the only reason, I believe, that I found my wife, Annette. When we went to school together, there were probably many suitors for Annette. And my pitch was, hey, what are you doing on Saturday? We're eating lunch at our place. And in a culture, was this about 20 years ago? When everyone was headed to give the local business their business, Annette thought, that's the way I was raised. A day to disconnect. So if that's the way you were raised, then this is a good thing. And that's where our friendship started. So there's, there's something about this that allows us to reconnect. And the last one is the verse we read about Ezekiel 20, verse 12. There's something about the Sabbath that makes you whole. We don't have it all figured out now. There's something called the Circa Septum Rhythm that on Saturdays, literally from Friday night through Saturday night sundown, something is going on differently in nature that they're just starting to figure out almost as if nature slows down. In the rhythms of the body, in life, something special about this day. But God is saying, hey, I want to make you whole. I want to help you live in this world with peace and satisfaction and joy and not thinking, if I don't work seven days, I can't get ahead. Because just like we talked about last week, he can help you get ahead more with your money by giving some of it away. A very contrary idea. He can help you get, a get, get ahead in your work and in your life and with peace of mind by saying, hey, don't work seven days. Make the bold claim that this is a holiday in your life that is set aside for something special and then I will do something special in your life. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We record these messages each week at the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Adairsville. And if you're ever in the area, we'd love to see you. Stop in and say hi and enjoy some good Southern food with us. We'll see you next week.